Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Cinephiles Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. Been a great day. Where are you? Are you in California? Are you in New York? Are you in Colorado? Are you in Texas? Either way, it should be beautiful where you are. How was your Memorial Day? Was it fun? Did you go to the movies? Did you watch anything cool? Well, I went to go see the Avengers. Very, very interesting film. To say that I liked it is, is an understatement. To say that I loved it is an overstatement. I, I, I intensely enjoyed that film. I would say it's a 8.75 out of 10. 9 out of 10. Great film. Better than the first one. It's interesting that a lot of people attack Joss Whedon based upon a line that was in the film. Now, these are spoilers, and if you haven't seen the film, this is obviously going to spoil uh, a certain perspective of the film, but you should be seen it. You should have seen it by now. It's already made a billion dollars. <laughs> so what, hap- what happens is uh, she explains that when she was going through spy training, that she was basically um, her, her ovaries. Right? She, she, she cannot have children. I'm going to put it that way. She can't have children. And she says to Mark Ruffalo's character, the Hulk, she goes, do you think you're the only monster in the group? And a lot of people took offense that somebody would imply that if you can't have children or because you choose not to have children, that you're a monster. I think these people have got this completely wrong. (laughs) And I think the problem is that Joss Whedon usually writes for women and in this time... Is both men and women, and I'll explain to you how and why. Oh, a man's desire to have a child is pretty big. It's pretty good. I know I've known a lot of women who've not understood that men have that clock too, that men desire a family, desire children. Um, I've heard ridiculous things from women in my lifetime about how guys are and, and what we think and it's very weird. I never I never thought I'd ever be uh, borderline insulted by the way people think about my gender, but uh, um, we're not. We're not that way at all. It's quite interesting. So we want children. We want a family. We want everything that a family has. Uh, the problem is, is um, we need a partner. Obviously, we can't do it by ourselves. We pick somebody in our lives. 
And uh, what if we can't have children? We feel like somehow we're incomplete. I'm a first-generation American. Both my parents had three kids and stayed married, and my father passed away, and, and we had a very good life. We had a very good family circle. I very, very much enjoyed it, and I would love to replicate that for my children. But in the movie The Avengers, when Scarlett Johansson says, do you think you're the only monster? I can understand what she's saying. I can understand what she's thinking in that position right there by saying, you don't think I feel like I'm lacking something or, or somehow I can't produce that I can only destroy. There's a there's a story about Musashi, the great samurai Musashi in, in 1564, I believe. And he was walking down this road and he bumps into a monk. And he tells the monk who he is, I'm the great Musashi. He goes, I don't know who you are. He pulls out a scroll and says, this is who I am, these are the deeds I do. He goes, I still don't know who I am or who you are. And in those times, usually they would chop your head off hmm. or chop your hand off or beat you up or whatever because it's, a, it's an affront to a samurai their ego. So Musashi wanted to know more. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, well, something creates, something births, something teaches. You're nothing. You destroy. You, you crash. You, 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 you crumble everything. And from that moment on, Musashi became a Buddhist monk and regained his composure and stepped away from violence. And I would say that's the same kind of mentality that Scarlett Johansson was using it, whether it's right or wrong. It was the same kind of mentality, I believe, that that um, Scarlett Johansson was using, which was, um, I can't create, I can't birth. The only thing I do is kill. I'm an assassin. The only thing I do is kill people. Don't you think that I'm a bit of a monster myself? I think that's where she was going with it. Anyways, I liked it. Go see The Avengers. It's a very good film. I thoroughly enjoyed it. What movies have you seen? Give us a call. We've got a number right here. 657-383-1444. I see that we have a gigantic population going on right now. Listening to our radio show. we got the great Aaron Schnocky on today from Super Power Beatdown. From Bat in the Sun. We're talking about his episodes of of, uh, of Batman versus Superman or Batman versus uh, Darth Vader and and on and on and on and on. We're just going to toil into his brain till we get all the facts out. It's going to be awesome. Aaron Schnocky on today. Now a show I've been watching, rewatching, watching again, and then watching until I hate it is basically the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Ellie Kemper is an excellent, excellent comedian. And I find it laughable that people talk about the fact that, you know, especially now, nowadays where they say women are not funny. That's what I hear. Women are not. There's even a documentary on, on Netflix called Why Aren't Women Funny? You mean like Lucille Ball funny? I don't understand what you're talking about. So when you watch the, uh, or, third, uh, you know, 30 Rock, you're trying to tell me Amy Poehler is not funny? Is that what you're really trying to tell me? Amy Poehler is not fine. Okay, whatever. So, <laughs> when you watch The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, it, it's a brilliant show. It, it, first of all, Titus Andromedon, who plays the, uh, the friend Titus, is just one of the best sidekicks ever created for a television show, period. 
And Kimmy Schmidt is hilarious. Ellie Kemper is hilarious in the show. We call her Chica, ha- Chica Hamburguesa. Hamburger girl. She looks like the Wendy girl. You've got to see these shows. There's really only 13 episodes. They're about 22 minutes each. You can burn it out on a weekend easy. The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt by Ellie Kemper. A great, great show on Netflix right now. Are you watching The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Give us a call. 657-383-1444. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you're up to, what you're watching, what you're listening to. Now, what are you going to see this weekend? Now, for me, I saw Mad Max last weekend. Mad Max was amazing. Go see this movie. Do not skip a beat. Don't stop. Don't slow down. Don't think about it. Go watch it. It is a fantastic, fantastic film. First of all, Charlize Theron is amazing. She's amazing in the film. She's got a CG arm. She's a movie by now. It's got a lot of the a lot of the great actors. Tom Hardy was one of them. Tom Hardy was very interesting. It was when he spoke to the director, and when he talked to George Mellon, he did not understand the film that he was making. He openly said this. He did not understand the movie. He was very frustrated. And the reason why we know this is because at Cannes, when he saw the movie with an audience, he looked to George Miller and he apologized. And he goes, mate, I, I didn't know what I was looking at. I didn't know what I was watching when you were filming this movie. And I would say that's part of George Miller's fault, I'll be honest, because you should be able to explain to an actor what your, what your gig is and what you're trying to do. On the other hand, how the hell could you have explained what Mad Max Fury Road was going to be like? How could you have explained it to somebody and have them understand that they work with like Christopher Nolan and what have you, where they have ultimate structure, linear storytelling and what have you. So it's very interesting. You have Nicholas Holt and Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron. It's, it, it's really a fantastic film. What's really interesting about it is that they brought George Miller back to direct this film. Now, as you know, we've had Vernon Wells on here many times. And he's spoken about George Miller many, 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 many times, but how great of a director he was and what have you, and how he directed him in Road Warrior, Mad Max 2. This movie is fantastic. Go watch it. Reason? We want a sequel. He's already written a sequel. We want it. The only, reason, the only way we're going to get it is if you pay for it. Go pay for this movie. Go watch it. You'll love it. All right, that's enough chit-chat for me. Let's get some important people on here. 
What do you think, boys and girls? You bring Aaron on? Let's bring him. Hello, Aaron Schnucky. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Thank you very much. We have a very large audience here that's been waiting to hear from you. But we want to we want to start from the beginning with the great Aaron here. Now, you, 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 you're born in California, am I right? Yes. Yeah, California. Born and raised on the playgrounds where I spend most of my days. Nice. So almost film and media have been in, been in your blood since your, since your birth. Yeah, I mean, I was born uh, to a very creative family, so uh, it was a lot of fun just to keep keep just keep exploring it. Nice. Were your mother and father painters or, or writers, or who were they as artists? Uh, my father is. Yeah, he's a, um, a musician, music composer, uh, painter, all that kind of stuff. I mean, he he can do all that stuff. It's kind of amazing. Nice. Nice. Now we know, we know you from from Superpower Beatdown. We know you from all these things that are coming out now, um, from all the pictures, from all, all the all the call signs from on Facebook. But how did this whole thing start off? I, you know, to come up with the the concept of Superpower Beatdown and also your company Bad in the Sun. That, that's a complex co- concept. There, and tell me where where were the the beginning grounds of this world for you? Uh, for the for the show, or just starting off filmmaking with with Bad in the Sun. Let's just say, let's just say filmmaking for Bad and Sun in general. Uh, me and my father started the company about uh, 10, 12 years ago, um, or more, actually. Gosh, it's been so long now. And uh, we basically just wanted to go out and make films, and this was before before YouTube and and um, you know, a lot of that art for art's sake. And we're like, let's just go out there and start making stuff. And we were able to see how that was paralleling the way the Internet was progressing with digital media, and we just pretty much just kind of went alongside it until we met up, which is what happened when we started releasing um, released a few fan films back in the mid-2000s that did really well, and that caught on. And then that's what kind of led us to do Beatdown, which was inspired by um, actually a superhero card game from the early 90s, and then, of course, the show that I was on, uh, Elias Warrior, that was on Spike TV. Oh, Nice. Nice. So you you were doing acting and stunt work before you you started uh, Superbar Beatdown then. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. So you, so you did work on that show. How how was your experience on that show, on The Deadliest Warrior? Uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was definitely they brought in a lot of uh, remarkable stuntmen, and uh, I had a lot of fun uh, working on it. I'm stuntman second, but I think it's important sure. as a director to really um, understand each role. And I've seen that a lot of times stuntmen. They don't. They don't get as much respect as they definitely deserve. I mean, they're putting their life on the line. So it was great to see that side of things. And since our show is so stunt based, it's great to have that relationship and understanding and communication with them. So uh, it, overall, for me, it was it was a blast. I mean, basically, you get trained in different fighting styles and you get to act them out. So for a guy, it's a it was a fun dream to do. Sure. You know, you 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 can't have all these credits from producer to writer to director without any experience whatsoever. But where where is your experience bound from? Is it is it is it school? Is it university education? Is it just working education? Where is your education coming from? Where you're just blowing out work like this? Um, just uh, working. I mean, I, I was given a camera at a very 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 young age, at the age of eight or nine, and just started making films and 
and they say that the key to success is failure. As long as you learn from your failure, you know, um, be real and honest with yourself and just keep making films, you know. That's kind of what it is. We just keep making it. Absolutely. Now, did you feel like you were, you were coming up to some failures before you came up to the big game, like uh, Dark Justice and what have you? No, they're just, just younger films. I mean, you're always learning. I mean, a lot of times I think filmmakers, they get the idea that they want to make a film and they bite off more than they can chew or, or whatever. So we're just doing the small things. You know, that's why a lot of times you do fan films. It's like a, it's like when a band does cover songs, you know, you're learning and getting exposure. So, um, you know, it was just it was a good experience overall, you know. Right. Well, you, you know, you're really into the DC and Marvel world. And where was the beginning of this? I mean, for me, I collected comic books since I was a little kid. Was it the same for you, or were you into comic books a little later on, or what happened? Uh, yeah, it was definitely. I mean, the first the first Batman movie with uh, Keaton and Nicholson, that was huge when I was a kid, and that really, that really uh, took hold. And then um, the X-Men cartoons and comic books. And, and basically, when you... I played with action figures a lot as a kid, and I always say that's kind of what inspired me to uh, want to direct, because basically action figures are... They're like actors. They're like little stiff actors that you're creating stories and angles and stuff with. So I just want to translate that into uh, real life, which is kind of what the show is now. Basically, just giant life-size action figures beating the crap out of each other. So <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like a, a robot chicken, but a, li- a live format one. Kind of, yeah, yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> so, you, so you started off with with Dark Justice, and that's going to be a Guillermo del Toro film. Uh, later on, because he's going to make Dark Justice as a film. Do you know that? Mm, I did not know that, no. Oh, yeah. Um, right now, Guillermo del Toro is penned to do the uh, Dark Justice perspective, well, the Dark Justice perspective of, of the Justice League. And he's going to have all these slew of characters, and it's going to be right after his next film. But that was, the, that was, was this your, the first film that you tackled? Was Dark Justice? Uh, no, we did, we did a, a, actually a Batman Beyond film before that when I was 15. Um, really? and then Dark Justice, but, but yeah, Dark Justice when I was 18, I think. Yeah, they're just kind of fun things to do, um, and learn and, um, just, you know, you want to see where all the, all the, um, all the different spots or where everything goes when you're making film, because film is so elaborate, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta kind of step into it. No one can really prepare you for it until you actually do it. So it was good. I mean, these are, well, these both came out long before YouTube came out. So. Sure. Well, the, the, you know, it, it's so, it, well, this is 12 years, 13 years ago, but this is so different to have, like, uh, you know, superheroes in, in film, especially for, you know, I don't know, somebody with limited resources. <laughs> and I would mm-hmm. say anybody below Christopher Nolan who has, like, $180, $100 million at his disposal, it's really hard to do a fan film like Dark Justice or anything on the, on the Justice League, anything on The Joker, anything on Batman or, or Nightwing, because they have a past. They have a story. They have a biography. They have an expectation of what people are going to look at. Did you consider that when you were writing these characters, or did it bother you when you were writing them, or did you just go for it? You definitely considered all that. I mean, there's definitely a huge legacy for the characters, and um, I think that pressure is good. I mean, because as you, as um, young fan filmmakers or see as they get in the industry, that pressure is real, and it's and it's definitely there. Um, so it's good they get used to it, I think, at an early age. And, and I know it helped me at an early age. Because if you just make something, you know, original stuff, as I've done as well, um, there is no expectation. So if you're just like, oh, I like it, because that's just is. Whereas superheroes have, you know, 70 years of lineage that you have to live up to. And people have 
different opinions on because, you know, Batman's been, you know, written so many different ways. So it's interesting how to appease that lineage while still making a good product. So it's actually, I think, important to learn that. Right. Right. It's interesting that fans are incredibly interesting human beings. Have you got a lot of feedback from fans, um, like on certain episodes, on what they believe should have happened after the fact? Oh, yeah, for B-Town, yeah, fans are very vocal, and they get, you know, they want their they want their team to win. It's just like a sports, you know, everybody wants their team to win, and they end up end up upset or whatever. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's like, you know, people just like to be upset that, they're, that their team lost, you know, basically. Yeah. So. <laughs> I found myself fighting the other day on, on who would win, like Nightwing or, or, or uh, Winter Soldier or this or this or this or that, and I had a, I had a hard time because <laughs> yeah. my answer was always Batman. Yeah, well, Batman. I mean, that's how he's written to be. Yeah. <laughs> and what is what is what is your take? Because you know, you've done Darth Vader versus Gandalf, Batman versus Wolverine, Laura Croft, Assassin's Superman versus Thor. You've done so many different ones. Was there ever mm-hmm. a one where you where you almost disagreed with, where you went like, eh, okay, I'll, I'll do it, but I don't necessarily agree with this? Um, I mean, all the it's really, it's like I can see either way. I mean, as as a, I guess as a writer, you could write it to where this person wins or this person can win, and, and since it is fiction, it's all based on fiction. It could, it could really go either way. It's not. You know, like the battle of, of science, where you know speed versus mass, and, and so forth. There's facts. Um, I mean, and the hero is always written to win. You know, and you read in comics, and you're like, there's no way that Green Arrow could beat the Flash, but he does because that's the way it's written. So when the fans vote, exactly, you know, that's how it goes, and and that's why I think the voting is so important because I don't want to, I don't want to have the I guess audacity or arrogance to just choose. I think this character would win because I'm I'm basically telling everyone that is the definitive answer, which I think is, which is wrong. You know, characters belong to the fans and the characters are ever changing. You know, Superman is different than he was 50 years ago. So right now that's how, that's how the score is settled. And it's not every time, you know, it's like Superman would win six out of 10 times, but the other character would win four. So the other character still wins, you know. That's a very interesting attitude. You have a very open attitude towards his characters where, I think some people might have been closed off to that idea and shut people off from the process because a lot of people, especially directors and writers, they like to say their own word because they don't think that they have that much time to say it. But you're leaving it open mm-hmm. for interpretation, which mm-hmm. is a very awesome thing to do for a creator. Yeah, well, especially with these superheroes, I mean, you're, you know, they're, um, you're a part of their lineage, but you didn't create them. You're not Bob Kane. You're not Stanley. So this is this is what you're bringing to it, but you have to realize that these characters belong to the fans and it's, you know, you're, it's like a fan service in a weird way. You can't go fully, you know, original. You can't just change it and be what it is. I think that's disrespectful to the character. You know, I think a lot of times that uh, studios or directors kind of get the idea and they change the characters, but you got to treat it as if you were adapting Lincoln. You know, you can't also make him, different you know he's going to be short and he's going to be you know he's going to talk like this and he's going to do that and i was like lincoln is the way he was you got to adapt and respect him as, as a person you know right right it's interesting when you're looking yeah. at these characters here for superpower beatdown 
right now a lot of you are clamoring for female characters, for female superheroes. Is that in the back of your mind right now? Are you setting plans up for female superheroes as well, or do you think that would be bad in bad taste? No, I think it's good. I mean, um, our next episode is going to um, be Joker and Harley Quinn versus uh, Deadpool and Domino. So there's a really good uh, female fight in there. We're really proud of uh, Amy Johnson and Tatiana Dakar did a really good job battling it out. So um, we're excited that we have that coming up. And we're hoping to get um, Wonder Woman on the show as well later. So it's definitely um, in the plans. So you're you're going to have Harley Quinn play uh, fight Domino in this episode? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and they go out pretty good. It's already shot. It's already shot? That is awesome. Oh, yeah. It's Harley it's Quinn. Shot. And ready to go. Mm-hmm. Harley Quinn is one of my favorite characters. A lot of the female characters are my my favorite characters, but Harley Quinn, being who she is, being a a previous uh, psychiatrist at Arkham Asylum, and uh, being now the lover of the Joker and what have you, I I firmly adore her character. You've seen some of the shots from the Suicide Squad from the new new movie coming out very soon. What are you thinking of that character or or the look on her? Because she's a little different than the classical Harley Quinn that you and I grew up with, which is she's tatted up. You know she's got the, the she's got the you know the eyeliner that's dripping down, but she the other signs of her look perfectly right, which is the blonde hair, the tight clothes, and what have you. So what do you, what do you think of that Harley Quinn from the Suicide Squad from the movie? I think it's interesting. I mean, I think the cast is really good. Um, I think the look is different. Sometimes different doesn't always mean bad. I think it's kind of strange that they chose to make Joker and Harley look so different from the comic version while. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman look so similar to their comic version, like with Burton or Nolan, you know, they chose to do something different in the comic books and their world was fundamentally different. Um, but in the new one, it, you know, like it seems that what they're doing is a lot of characters are very similar and then a lot of characters are very different, which I think is an uh, interesting contrast. So I think it'd be good. I think, uh, like I said, the actress I think is good. Uh, obviously, uh, Jared Leto is a great actor. So um, yeah. I- I'm looking forward to it. You know, I mean, it's, at the end of the day, they're fictional characters, and uh, you can't you can't get too bent out of shape out of it. But um, I think it's good, though. Yeah, uh, you know it's very interesting. I've I've seen a, a couple of different formations of your Joker, uh, from mm-hmm. the comp version to a live version to the one that you have on your Facebook right now, which is with you with Deadpool, and and, and they're mm-hmm. awesome, awesome looks. Is, is there a version? Because this the version that's on Facebook right now looks very familiar to Jack Nicholson's one. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite Joker? Do you have a favorite look of his character, from cartoon to comics to movies? I, mean, I think a lot of fans will say that they like Mark Hamill. I mean, his voice just captures the um, spontaneity or psychotic spontaneity of the, of the character. I like um, I like the comic version when you get to a little more dark and seedy, but a showman and and um, I, I like that. I mean, Jack probably was the closest to the Joker. As we've seen on film, um, Heath was very different. You know, he fit more of that kind of sterilized world that, that those films lived in. And um, I like a showman, you know, as far as Joker. And I think Jared Leto will be more of a showman. I mean, I don't know how regal um, he'll be in terms of the way Joker is in the comics. And that's the Joker I like, you know, the tall, lanky, but still really uh, intimidating uh, Joker. So it was it was fun to portray and 
and bring forth to the screen. So uh, I think, and I hope that we, you know, brought that madcap, joking, but still ultra serious and evil, you know. Yeah. I, I love that version of the Joker as well, that thin, wafy, European type that mm-hmm. pays other people to beat you up kind of type. Those are the most, mm-hmm. I've always told people, those are the most evil type of bad guys, the ones who pay other people to beat you up. But, mm-hmm. So you're going to play the Joker. Did you feel any pressure when playing the Joker or doing the Joker that you wouldn't be living up to a potential or, or that you wanted to be a certain way? Did you have any concerns while doing that character at all? Yeah, I mean, I portrayed um, Nightwing, and um, I do Spider-Man normally. I did all the mocap for Spider-Man on the games, and um, and those characters are more comfortable just because personality-wise they fit just more who I am. They're more average, normal guys with Joker. Um, he's been on screen and performed so well, you know, Jack and he, um, right. they really, and, and Cesar Romero, I mean, they've all, and Mark Hamill, they've all done just such a great job, and the character's so rich that there is a lot of pressure. So, I wanted to make sure that I nailed it, and um, and uh, even for the role, I lost like uh, 18 pounds, so I could get really thin. I got down to actually more than that. I got down to like 147 pounds, so I could, you know, be real. Uh, and I'm almost six one, so just wow. be real lanky, and you have that, you know, you have that that feel to it. So um, I wanted to make sure that it looked right. So my face looked real gone, and get all the makeup, and and uh, so it just needed a lot of pressure to live up to. So I hope. I hope that I was able to accomplish that. So, oh, you, you look fantastic! I, I've seen you in all of your costumes, and you look you look great. Nightwing seems to be the character that you, you that you seem to form with uh, a little best. Am I, am I wrong on that one? Because I see I seem to have, uh, see a lot of images and a lot of favoritism towards Robin or Nightwing, I should say. I like Nightwing. A lot of fans like me as Nightwing. I guess I have uh, similar um, features, height. You know, face and stuff. Even the the creator of Nightwing, um, who I worked with, said that I resembled his character, which was very very cool. Um, my favorite character really? to portray those. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's always a nice a nice thing to hear. Um, Marv Wolfman is is the guy. Um, but uh, my favorite character to portray is Spider Man. He just has more of a comedic nice. personality, and um, he's he just fits more my body type. So I like I like Spidey. Nice. You know, I grew up with the Spidey, you know, the 10-ton lifting Spidey. That's who I grew up with. Peter Parker, spectacular, amazing. I grew up with all the Spider-Mans. Which Spider-Mans did you grow up with that inspired you for this character? Uh, I grew up a lot of, uh, like, the late 90s, 2000s run by uh, by Strinsky, which was a really nice nice run. And then, um, like, the Spider-Man animations and Ultimate Spider-Man so I, I like the the leaner, funnier Spider-Man. I know that John Romita Spider-Man is not as quippy, and he's a little thicker. Um, and then before right. that, the, uh, Steve Ditko is even like nerdier, like really, really awkward nerdy. But <laughs> it, it applies to the time, you know. So I like right. the right. the more modern Spider-Man. I, I like that Spider-Man is older now in comics. He's one of the few characters that is aged, you know, from sixteen to twenty-eight, twenty-nine, as he is in comics now. So. Right. Right. You know what's interesting is today. You know they're they're mentioning that on on Friday they they're looking at six different people for Spider Man for for uh, Civil War because Sp- Spider Man mm-hmm. now is going to be in the Civil War. So they they're mm-hmm. they're they were looking at six people and the one person they're looking at is guy who was in Hugo. He's a great actor. Do you, you know that guy, the, the lead actor from Hugo and from Ender's Game? So oh yeah 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 yeah. 
right? So they're going they're going more for the 15, 14, 16-year-old mm-hmm. Spider-Man. What, what do you think of that? Yeah. I think you got to start them off. I guess that's fine. I mean, I know they don't want to do an origin story, and they want to make him really funny. And right. that I'm looking forward to, to him being funny. He hasn't really been super funny in the movies. Um, right. He's not in the, in the Toby movies. And, and to me, that's such a huge part of him is his lightheartedness and his ability to just crack jokes and make you turn your head. Uh, as far as the casting, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, a lot of the Avengers cast, um, I believe, are they're on the smaller side. So you don't want like Andrew Garfield is my height. And, um, and Chris Evans is, you know, like five eleven, and Robert Downey's like five seven. So you can't have Spider-Man taller, you know, so I understand why they want to go smaller, you know, and that makes sense. So, um, and I'm sure it'll be great. You know I mean? And you never, a lot of times you can't see that on film. So, um, right. You know, I think, I think it's good, you know, and it creates a nice separation because I mean, like I said, Andrew Garfield was, He's my age. I think he's a little older. So, and, and Chris Evans is my age. So you can't have Spider-Man be taller and older than Captain America. Wow. Okay. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> He'd be older than Thor. <laughs> yeah. So it'd just be it'd just be weird. So they want to start it off, and so that makes sense. Just have him be funny. Yeah. Have him be funny and have a big heart, a lot of morals and compassion, and we'll be good. You know, I agree. You know, the, the thing about Spider-Man is the same thing I think about 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 the Flash, which is he. he the Flash is a very underrated character, and he's one of the first beginners of the Justice League. But people think of him mm-hmm. as a fool because he doesn't really kill anybody and doesn't necessarily want to put anybody in jail. He just kind of defends his city. And people kind of find him kind of like a joke almost because he could be doing so much more with his superpowers. And Spider-Man is almost the same way, whereas he does what he needs to do. He doesn't do any more than he needs to do. He does what he needs to do. And then he goes on with life, and he does it with a sense of humor and compassion and love. Which is interesting, because you're one of the few people that I've heard mention that about his character. Because a lot of people say that he's strong, or he's fast, or he's this or that. Now, many people don't mention how compassionate he is, how kind he is, how likable he is. Mm-hmm. Do, you find that, uh, do you find that happening a lot with characters that you work with, that people find them as, as basically marquees and not as characters, as true characters as we find them? Probably. I mean, people don't like really dive into the personality traits as far as what makes them who they are. And, and you know, if you, if you look at it not from a power standpoint, but like what are the superheroes, you know? Um, like Superman's a peacekeeper, Iron Man's a scientist, um, Batman's like a, a mission-oriented drill sergeant, but, but Spider-Man's a lover, though. You know, the love interest right. of Mary Jane and Gwen Stacy and, and Aunt May and, you know, the compassion he has for everyone. He, he's and that's why, you know, his love for everyone is what is why he's so likable. I mean, if you look at anyone in real life, it's like that exact way. So that's why Spider-Man, I think, is right. so likable and why everyone likes him. Because he is, he is, at the end of the day, just a good guy. You know, Tony Stark, some kind of a jerk. He's always trying to manipulate things. You know, he's trying to do the right thing. But Peter is just a good guy. I mean, he's that's why he's always getting stuck. And, you know, he's always getting crapped on in a way. Because he's just, he's very accommodating and selflessness, you know. Right, right. So, so I, I see now that you're you're thinking about. <laughs> that's funny. I never I never saw this before. That you were thinking about uh, Sean Piccinino for Oliver Queen. That's hilarious. Yeah, I think I think he'd be a great uh, a great Green Arrow. I mean, I know he's a remarkable uh, uh, arrow, bow and arrow um, yeah. guy. So I think he'd yeah. be he'd be great. You know, and he looks at it, and he's a great fighter. And he, he's able to pull off the serious but still comedic aspect of the character. So, 
Yeah. When fans were clamoring for um, Green Arrow versus Daredevil, I was like, I'd be a great Green Arrow. And he really resembles the comic book, the classic comic book, uh, Oliver Queen that I grew up with. So I think it'd be good. So. That's, you know, you know, it's funny. I, I didn't even consider that. And, and when you look at it, you're like, damn, I, I should have said, <laughs> I should have thought that. What am I thinking about? He looks, yeah, he, he looks a lot like him. That is, that is creepy. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Green Arrow has always been a great character because he, he, he brings the Justice League together again. Once they become this huge team and a, a huge force, he's the one who brings the humanity back into them. I, I would love mm-hmm. to see Green Arrow versus Daredevil because both of them have that kind of sixth sense of where the next move is going to be, except Daredevil has more superpowers. Right. Now, let me ask you a question. Before you, you, before you even go filming and shooting this and conceptualizing even the, the script and what have you, between Green Arrow and Daredevil, even looking at the power perspective, where do you, where do you lean in this area? I mean, as far as like favorite character, I'm not talking, I'm talking about beating anybody up. As far as a favorite character between the two of them, which one would you pick? It would be tough. I mean, I'm trying to think. Uh, sometimes when we do these, you know, like we did Wolverine Predator. I, I mean, Wolverine's one of my guys, so it's really easy to say, oh, that character. And this one, it's about equal. Right. I mean, both um, both have great TV shows. You know the Netflix series and the TV show have been really enjoyable. Um, yeah, I think both characters' power level set is pretty much just right up, right there at the bottom as far as street level. You know, so I think it, it makes for a fair, a fair fight. I, I've, I mean, I've read a lot of Daredevil and a lot of Green Arrow, so um, I think they're they're very evenly matched in terms of skill set, popularity, and fan love. You know, and that's kind of the trick when during the show. You know, you want to have Spider Man or Batman whoever fight someone is equally popular and loved as them. Otherwise, the other character is just going to get crushed, you know? Right, right. <laughs> What's very interesting about uh, you know, Superpower Beatdown is that this has become more popular than ever nowadays because Marvel and DC and, and Malibu and Dark Horse, these are our play, playgrounds now. Whereas when we were kids, mm-hmm. we were almost you know, specialized as like the stoner, the, the, the jock, the this, the comic book readers. <laughs> and mm-hmm. nowadays we're we're ruling the nest. Do you did mm-hmm. you feel that coming up the long, especially when you got the views you got? Did you did you feel that niche clicking in? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, as a kid, you know, you'd have to find, you know, being into Batman was not the cool thing. You know, it's like being into superheroes is almost a fad now. You know, um, so right. it's fun to see it everywhere, and obviously the viewers show that. I mean, I mean that. Superpower Beatdown, um, the show has 100 million views. So it's, you know, really a showcase that, that the fans are out there and they want this this kind of content. So it's really, it's been a great experience um, to see the fans unite and debate, you know, and get so angry over that they should win. <laughs> That's awesome. And we have movies coming out now. I mean, we have the new Batman vs. Superman, and we have, we just got so many movies, it's just preposterous. Are there any specific yeah. movies right now that are coming out soon that, that you're looking forward to? Um, I'm definitely, well, and without revealing any spoilers, because I hate spoilers, um, but I, uh, I'm i looking forward to Jurassic World because, because, darn it, we need more dinosaur movies. Why do we have to wait for a Jurassic sort of movie to have more dinosaurs? I say more dinosaurs, the merrier. Um, I agree. And... Uh, I'm looking forward to the Bond movie because the, the Bond the Bond legacy is just fantastic, and uh, those movies are action movies but take themselves seriously. They're not just popcorn flicks. They're one of they're a rare breed because there's not a lot of serious action movies anymore. And then of course Star Wars because 
with Star Wars and John Williams is going to deliver a great score, one of the last great composers out there that actually delivers themes and compositions, you know, um, which would be amazing. And then, and then Batman vs. Superman and, and Deadpool. They all look, nice. they all look good. So I'm good. And anything Arnold makes, of course. <laughs> yeah. There was, we were just talking about King Conan this morning. I can't wait for that. Oh yeah. I saw the, I read the, yeah, I read the John Milius script, and, and I know he's not doing it anymore, but it, it was amazing. It was about him becoming the king, his son running away, begin, becoming um, kidnapped by the Frost Queen. He uh, takes her, takes him away from her, and then he has to go in through vengeance against her. I believe he dies along the way, and his son becomes the new King Conan. It was going to be directed by the Wachowski brothers, and it was abandoned around 13 years ago. And now they have the new script, and, the, and they're starting pre-production now, right after Genesis. For total for um, Terminator, so it should be interesting. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'm now, are you anything, Arnold? Oh, hmm? me too. I, I'm a I'm a gigantic. I, I worked at the AMC when when um, Total Recall came out, and they gave, they gave us a midnight showing, and we counted each kill. By the way, we were eating food, and it was the most kills in any Arnold movie ever. Yeah, I, I believe it was 254 people dead in that film. So I, I, I'm a, I was always a huge fan of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then when you get to later films and he becomes governor, he doesn't shoot anybody anymore. It's, it's almost like being off of crack cocaine. It's intense. So what, what, is, your, what is your favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger film? Uh, my favorite is Twins. I just love his. He's such a, a jovial, you know, uh, big-hearted character in there who he's almost naive, but he's not, though. He's wise, you know, and, and it's a... There's a lot of morals into it. It's got that great 80s morals to it. I don't know what happened to movies nowadays. They don't have any morals to them. And uh, that feel right. good. It's like feel good was deemed goofy and corny and we can't right. do it anymore. But Twins has that tenfold and it's great. So I love Twins. And then, of course, Predator. Predator's amazing. Um, yes. And then the Terminator movies by James Cameron are also amazing. I mean, really anything. I mean, I, I love Jingle All the Way. I watch it every Christmas. Um, you know, Kindergarten <laughs> Cop. So. I mean, hey, I mean you, Arnold. Have you seen his new movie, Sabotage? I have, yeah. I've seen Sabotage. I saw. Sabotage is a great movie. Everybody out there, I can see the our audience is listening right now. We have the great, by the way, guys, we have the great Aaron Schnocky on right now. I'm so sorry. We've been so busy talking. We haven't even announced anything. We have the great Aaron Schnocky on right now from Bat in the Sun and, and Superpower Beatdown. We're talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger and some of his favorite movies. Uh, we're, we're talking about Twins as being one of his, one of his favorite movies from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Which is an awesome. Now, yeah. what are you looking forward to now? Now, you saw Sabotage. Too. I loved Sabotage. I was shocked that movie was so good. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was an interesting take seeing Arnold play that kind of character. I wasn't. I wasn't used to that. So that was definitely a surprise. Um, and he's really yeah. been churning out a lot. He did. He did Last Stand. He did. Um, he did Maggie. He's done. Uh, gosh, I think. He did that other movie with Stallone and all the Expendables. Right. He's been mm-hmm. working real hard, so he's you know I want to do more comedies though. He's got a great comedic time, and I think that he should pursue more and more. You know. I agree. So, I, I think they're doing Twins right now with uh, him, Danny DeVito, and Chris Rock who's playing the third twin. Eddie, I think it's Eddie Murphy. Oh, is it Eddie Murphy? Oh, that's mm-hmm. so much better. That's so much better. That's all. I, I actually. I, I worked at the Universal Cineplex when when Twins came out, and I met Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny Danny DeVito for the, for the premiere. And I, I I was just a kid, so I tell people the story, and they're like, Arnold Schwarzenegger is not that tall. And when you're a kid, he's tall. 
And when you see him next to Danny DeVito, he looks like a gigantic human being. It's amazing. But yeah, I, I'm shocked that you that you uh, that, that that's one of your favorite movies from him because most people would say like Total Recall or Terminator. But no, you're right. No, no, His comedic timing is fantastic. Yeah, no, they're great. They're great. Oh, Arnold's not short though. I, I met Jim Arnold a couple of times. I worked with him one time, and um, he's taller than I am. So, and that was a recently, and he's I know shrunk a lot just due to bodybuilding and stuff. So, but you know, so, he's well, um, Arnold is bigger than you, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm like I said, I'm six foot and half an inch, and um, he he, you know, like right now, um, he's about he's just probably just a, just a hair taller than I am right now. But I know at his tallest he was six one and three quarters. I know he's come out and said that a few times. So, but he just he looks short from a distance because he's so wide, you know. Right. So, but um, uh, I, I, I guess it, it, oh, when, you, when you watch him on film, you expect him to be like six four, and then when you see him, you're like, oh, you're just six one, six two. Which isn't as impressive, but still a big guy, though. Right. Especially compared to Hollywood right. standards, because everyone in Hollywood is really short. Sure, they they got gigantic heads, but they're tiny, like like Bruce Willis. Yeah, tiny guys yeah, got everyone, a gigantic head. Yeah, everyone's just so. I think a lot of people were shocked to find out, you know, Tom Cruise is five six, Robert De Niro's five six, Stallone's five eight. You know, everyone's just not very tall. You know, so that's why I think. Yep. And then when Arnold stands around them, Arnold looks so much taller. But I'm like, yeah, he's just. Six two, six one. You know. <laughs> I remember when I met Michael Clark Duncan. I, I he stood up and, and he was so gigantic he almost covered the sun. I'm like, I, yeah. No wonder you weren't an actor as a kid. You, you don't look anything like an actor. You look more like the moon. My God. Yeah, he he's big, and I, I've met the Rock a couple times, and the Rock is enormous. He is not. That, that is not a fake size. The Rock is definitely six five. No, he's sixty. Big dude. I know it's, I know yeah, the, Rock. the Rock stunt double, Tom I Reed, and he's just as big. You know, they're a massive, amazing human being. So that's right. We were, we worked with them a couple times with our stunt teams and what have you, and they they come and helped out with a couple of the movies with Sean and what have you. Those guys are huge mm-hmm. and super nice. I don't know what it is with gigantic and super huge nice people. It must have something to do with the size, and nobody ever wanted to bother with you. Yeah, they just don't want to. I guess it's so easy for them to come off as intimidating. They have to like be overly nice because you're just inherently scared by you know just a just, person that can just snap you like a twig, you know. Right. So, but they're super nice. So, it couldn't be nicer. You know. So we we got we got future projects coming up. We've got superpower beatdowns coming up as well. We've got live action films coming up soon. I, I know that you're in in uh, Six Feet Down Under, a film with with uh, John mm-hmm. Pacino and Guy Grundy. And I think we're looking for a July release on that. Can you tell me a little bit about that that piece and, and what you did in Six Feet Down Under the ten part series that's going to be on YouTube in July? Yeah, I play a character named Nico. I play the bad guy, which is such a, a twist for me. So I play just the feel good hero. Um, so it was, it was fun to be that personality. Um, but I basically play without revealing too many spoilers. I play one of the um, I said the bad guys who is out to tear down and reclaim the uh, cartel empire as my own. So it's been a lot of fun. I get to act with uh, with Guy Grundy and Sean Piccinino, and um, it's been it's been really it's been a blast. I mean, it's fun to be to do that. It's fun to yell. <laughs> it's fun to yell at Guy Grundy because he's he's such a, a badass. And um, and in between every take, you know, I would, I would yell at him and do your job and blah, blah. And then cut and I was like, I would never yell at a man of your size or skill set. I was like, I'm just letting you know, guy. He's like, oh, it's great, mate. You're great. You're fantastic. And I was like, okay, good. <laughs> I was like, because in real life, good. you're a, 
you're a badass, and I'm just acting like one. So, but, uh, <laughs> it was it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and then, you, uh, hmm? no, go ahead, go ahead, please. Oh no, it was just it was it was a lot of fun, and, and I was always trying to keep everything very goofy in between takes. That was always very lighthearted, which I'm sure uh, it kind of threw everyone off a little bit. But I had to balance out the drama so much; it was so heavy. You know, the drama was it was thick, it was good. You know, it was palpable. So right. I naturally try to even it out, but um, but it was fun. Sure. Did you find that's an, a necessity in, in certain dramatic parts, especially when you know the people there? And maybe you feel like they're getting a little heavier than you're used to. Do you, do you feel like, almost like the Spider-Man character, or bringing in a little bit of levity into the situation in order to, to bring up or bring back the neutral perspective of acting? Yeah, I mean, I try to be, I mean, if you go like astrologically, um, uh, or I'm not astrology, I'm a Libra, so I always try to keep things in balance. I try to be very accommodating, and as a director, you want to keep very, things very even keel, so if they get too heavy, I always try to, balance them out, you know, be very comedic and lighthearted. And so it, it, it was it was tough to not do that, to make jokes in between takes, which I thought was kind of new and interesting. I got a different perspective from, from like an acting kind of thing, which is great. Um, so, but yeah, I was always making jokes and doing goofy things. And I think probably to the point of nice. where it wasn't, wasn't beneficial for things, but I just try to make people laugh, you know. Oh, from what I uh, from what I understand, you did a brilliant job, and and this isn't the first time you were with the show before because you were you worked on with him on on Casey Jones versus Kickass as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, no, I work with Sean all the time. He was he was Kickass, and uh, he's done a lot of the um, fight fight and stunt choreography for um, for a lot of the beatdowns. He did it on uh, Wolverine Predator. He did it on Batman or yeah, Batman Wolverine, Darth Vader, Gandalf. And then Batman Vader, oh. and Master nice. Cast America. So he's done he's done a whole bunch of stuff, and he just obviously him and uh, Alvin Singh they work together on stunt choreography for the new episode, and then I'll be working with Sean on a bunch more coming up. So and we even work together on the Deadliest Warrior. So there's a lot of um, cool mutual respect there that we've had. That's awesome. So. so- you know, for anybody out there listening, you can find people in, in in this industry that are likable, who are friendly, who are ethical, who you can work with and have a good relationship with. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you got to watch out. There are some ethically dubious people out there, um, but mm-hmm. uh, you just want to steer clear and just find the, the good guys. But everyone that I try and work with is really... They just got a big heart, you know. They're talented. They're good guys. I mean, I, I bring right. my mom to that a few times, you know. And I'm like, everyone here is cool. Talk to whoever you want, you know. I'm super nice, you know. So um, right. And everyone that comes to set, you know, they're like, wow, your set's really inviting and and warm, and that's really important. You know, you can't. And I, I just refuse to work with people that are just not nice people or just seedy or mean or wanting to step on people. You know, hardworking and right. talented and big heart. You know, so right. That's good. Very, very privileged that way. Do you think that the contrast to how other people might feel, where where it's more about the work and it's more about the effort than it is about likability, more about personalities? Because I found it to be the opposite. I found it more to be about personalities and likability and, and people getting to know each other than is anything else. Well, what's your perspective as a director? Well, I mean, there's there's like two sides of that. I mean, you obviously you can't be mean to people and you can't do this. I mean, you can be there's one thing about being mean and being stern. I mean, I, I definitely come from the school of of Bill Belichick, you know, do your job. 
in the sense that we're here to do a job, and anything that's worth doing is worth doing 110%. Um, right. But at the same time, you can't step on anyone or humiliate anyone. And, you know, you can't – that can't justify why you're a monster to someone, you know. So um, – and it's just easier to get going, and it's supposed to be a good time. You know, you want to look forward to going to work and having set. I mean, you know, so – and, and if you have the ability to, to have a lighthearted set, that's fine. Now, obviously, you know, in the 15th, 16th hour where it's like, ah, just get it done and we'll just move on, you know. But, um, like, actors who are temperamental, you know, I hear about a lot of these stories and I just refuse. I mean, like, if you want to act that way, you can get off set. I was like, you're not going to treat everyone here as equal. You know what I'm saying? Just because you can do this doesn't mean that you're better than the grip. There's no reason why that should be. I mean, we have a job here and we need to get it done, but that doesn't justify anything. If you want to be temperamental, you can leave and we'll get someone else because that's acceptable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. No, I know exactly what you're saying. Now, do you, so, do you, that is that is an excellent attitude, by the way, because, you know, you have people like um, Hitchcock who had a very different attitude. I, I agree to a certain extent with some of his eyes, but he would say actors are sheep. And I, I do believe he was saying the same thing you were, but just in a more crass way. Uh, I think he was saying, like, listen, we got a job to do, and if you can't do it, I can get somebody else to do it. Um, do, you, do, you, do you find that it's easier nowadays that people understand kind of the format of how movies work, opposed to the 1930s, where producers were getting the girlfriends in the films? Do you find it to be a little different nowadays that people understand how films are made and kind of come into it with a certain understanding? Or do you still have to teach them how things work? Oh, yes and no. I mean, a people's a person's ego will always be will always get in their way, you know, as far as what they think they deserve. And, and I mean, heck, today we have today we live in the most entitled generation possible. So everyone thinks they deserve everything and should be treated this way. So um, I think it's kind of fun to cut people down and make them aware of what real reality is. You know, huge fan of history myself. You gotta you can see the you know the, the folly of, of yesteryear. So it's you gotta you gotta respect. Right. You know, you got to respect people around you, and you can't, you know, I mean, that entitlement, that's got to go, and I won't have that mindset. So if you come that way, I'll just be like, you're to let it go. We're done. But um, I think, sure. you know, it, 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 they're different but similar problems than they were, I guess, 70 years ago, you know. But people are still people. I mean, people don't evolve. I mean, we're the same. We're the same as we've been for forty to 100,000 years, you know, so. Right. Right. Actually, it's been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, going back to ancient Greece, going back to ancient Egypt. Uh, looking looking at the films now, looking at all the stunt work, all the choreography, all the writing, oh, Jesus, all the work you did with your with your body just to make it look the way it does. What what is our result? What what do we want from our future? I just to uh, to direct just a big feature, you know, you want the, you want the, the grand stage, you know, so, and uh, I know that's what all uh, my crew wants, and we're all excited to, to be pushing forward, and we can feel, you know, the excitement of that coming up, so that's that's definitely the goal, but at the same time, though, a lot of people feel it's that, you know, there's different goals, everyone has different goals, and, and it's just, right now, even right now, it's just great to be part of it, it's just, you know, it's, it's just such, such a blessing to to be here doing these things, you know, but after you know three point oh, seven billion years after the Big Bang, we can we can be here together making films. I mean that in itself is just amazing, you know. Oh, oh, it's amazing. I mean, just just a hundred years ago, we're dropping chlorine bombs on each other from World War One, and now we're making like the Avengers. It's a pretty intense planet, and and a lot of times, I think a lot of times what people forget is how incredible life is. 
Um, uh-huh. When I'm thinking about the when I'm thinking about the future, and when I think about those things, I think about you know you're obviously interested in Marvel and DC and what have you. Would you be interested in directing like the next Batman movie or because some people would say no. I, I do not want to enter that world, that lore. I don't want to be in control of that. I don't want to be responsible for that junk. Is there any packaged world out there like Star Wars, Star Trek, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Dark Horse, that, that you would be honored to take over as Helm, as a director? Oh, yeah. All of them. All of them would be great. I mean, they're all such a, a, a rich tapestry of um, characters in the world. So, I mean, all of them would be great. I mean, ideally... Batman, Superman, Spider-Man. I think there's a lot that can be said for those, but I mean, anything really. I mean, it's just, you know, they're, they're all they're all great, you know. Right, right. And you know, you've been doing this for for a long time, and, and Superpower Beatdown is getting just huge hits. I go onto Reddit it all the time, and it's on top ten. I always tell Sean, I I email you right away, to tell you that you're your top ten, top three, top two on IGN, on GameStop, over and over and over again, especially. Batman versus, versus Darth Vader. Are you finding yourself hard to be in the open now or be in in social circles? Or is it still people don't know who you are yet? I find that hard to believe, but uh, are you finding it hard now to get to, to get uh, along with the, with the major populace or is, is it still kind of hidden? It's hit and miss. I mean, sometimes you know, I'll be out. Um, just the other day I was at Barnes & Noble getting a coffee and he was like, I was like, oh, you're you're Aaron. I, I just watched Green Ranger Ryu and blah blah blah. Can I get a photo with you? And you know, so I, I get that I get that a couple times a week, which is really cool. Um, awesome. But it, it's not too crazy. If I go to if I go to convention though, yes, it's hard to walk the floor um, just because I get stopped like a lot. So um, you know, so that you know, but but it's all good though. I, mean, I love interacting with the fans. I mean, it's just fun to hear. You know, it's all a part of a giant world. So, but I, I do find that it has definitely gotten more, uh, more, more crazy out there in terms of just you know the fan excitement and all that kind of stuff. So, but sure. Well, you 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 must hear a lot of people say things to you. Uh, what, what you know, and everybody gets like the one thing that fans say to them, like you shouldn't have done that or you were a jerk. Do you get one thing from from fans these days that they say to you? Yeah, I mean, sometimes we'll just be like, uh, Aaron shouldn't have done that. Aaron's, Aaron, why would he do that? Aaron clearly doesn't know comic books, you know. And it's just like, um, you know, and it's just like, well, it's probably, you know, it's probably because you don't really know. But, you know, like we did, we did, we did like a Deadpool episode, Deadpool vs. Batman, yeah. and some fans are like, Deadpool can teleport. This is stupid. I don't know, you know, these guys don't know what they're talking about. And I was like, well, what? technically, you know, like Deadpool cannot teleport. He has. As if you want to get the backstory on that, I was like, "That's a, a device that Cable made for him that he had in the in mid two thousands, you know." And I was like, "He can't oh. actually teleport," but I was like, "But that's why we didn't include that weapon." But I was like, "We are fully aware of why and what's going on. It's just we chose not to include it." But you know, just fans they they, they get an educator. Like you know, they'll they'll be like, uh, "Wolverine was too short. Hugh Jackman's tall," you know. And I was like, "Well, Wolverine is actually short, so." You know, you just get a lot of younger, yeah. a lot of younger yeah. uneducated people. You get a lot of uneducated people out there watching your stuff, and not really uneducated. They're just not exposed to the different things. You know, right. I mean, you know, some people There's, who don't understand music can listen to the Beatles and think like, "Oh, this is just simple pop." But it's like if you understand music, the music is, is genius. You know, and that's the brilliance that it sounds simple. But to the common man who doesn't know, they would think, "Oh, it's just you know," but it's not though. So it's just important to 
be educated, I guess. Right. That's a great point. So, you know, you're acting, you're choreographing, you're writing, you're directing. Are you looking forward to to an acting career as well, or, or, or will one day you shed a light and just go straight into directing? Um, no, I like I like acting. Acting's a lot of fun. I like uh, it's just different. I mean, I like doing all all forms of expressive art. I mean, I probably I mean, directing is my is my go-to. That's my favorite thing to do. But I do the editing, which I love doing. Um, I love writing and acting. It's all fun. It's all just new challenges. It's fun to just challenge yourself. I mean, I just like challenging myself just all together. You know, like uh, physically, uh, try not to be on American Gladiators. Try not to you know. Uh, trying to get up there, run the, see if I can get my 40 time down, see if I can get down to five, four, five, you know, so it's always fun to just challenge yourself, you know, it's a lot of, right. you get to be the best you can be, I mean, this is, you only got one life, do the most with it, don't say no, you're right. you know. So, so, so you're working night and day to get everything working out for you, so so what, what, yeah. is, the, what is the end result here, I mean, we're, we're pushing, we're pushing, we're pushing, we're, you are young, so you got, you got your yeah. whole, the gigantic career ahead of you, we got we got a new thing coming out right now, which is which is uh, Domino and Harley Quinn and the Joker uh, coming up very soon for for Super Power Beatdown. Do you have any future mm-hmm. episodes that you're that you're conceptualizing, that you're thinking about that you can share with us? Because we'd love to hear anything. Yeah, I mean we have um, Daredevil and uh, and Green Arrow, and then we want to do we want to do like our first fully animated CGI episode. I think uh, we want to do like Optimus Prime versus uh, versus Iron Man. <laughs> I think that's a lot of fun. It's just crazy, you know, chest. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then um, uh, getting Spider-Man on the show. Nice. Yeah. I would want. So, I would. I would want to watch Spider-Man beat anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's who we're we're shooting it actually in three weeks, I believe. So we've been trying to get this one. Spider-Man is the character we wanted to do since the beginning. So we're. I'm glad we're finally doing him now. Nice. Do you have, so, do you have a favorite enemy for Spider? Um, either Green Goblin or Venom. I mean, those are just the classics, you know. Something I can really get into oh, his yeah. mind and stuff, so. Yeah. Green Goblin's pretty nasty. I like the Hobgoblin as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just crazier. Yeah. He's just a nut, nutty character. I grew, I grew up with Peter Parker and, and amazing and spectacular. I remember the first time my brother gave me all of his comic books. He gave me, he gave me a Frank Miller's uh, Wolverines. He's like, I'm too old for this. I'm looking at this box full of, oh, yeah. He regrets it now. He's not going to get it back. But <laughs> I've got, you think I'm going to give it back to you? Screw you, dude. It's mine. It was on his 12th birthday, too. He hands me on his 12th birthday. I'm like, this is my birthday, bro. Yeah, I got so what, what happened? Right? I got all your crap. Thank you, bro. Go, go grow up. So what happened yeah. with comic books? Did you just bump into them? Did, did somebody give you one? What, what happened there? Uh, my dad grew he, he, My dad read comics. Um you know, right. back in the in the seventies, and uh, when X Men was just getting, and the Teen Titans started out, and Spider Man. I mean, he read a lot of Spider Man. So, um, nice. you know, he's the one that got me in the comics. He got me. He took me to my first comic shop, and um, that was it. You know, I remember every week going to the comic shop with him, and we still do that. <laughs> we still went over. It's awesome. Still go to the comic shop, so it's it's great. You know, it's a great great you, fun you, world. You never get tired of that smell, that smell of that room, of all those comic books. No, I feel that a lot of comic shops nowadays don't really keep back issues, which is too bad because 
Right. If a comic store filled with back issues like the old 70s comics has a certain smell to it, which is a, like a wonderful uh, smell. And a lot of comics now, stores nowadays don't have that. And they're just more just, you know, more up to date, which is fine. But I think it's funny when we go into a comic store and I was like, ooh, you have back issues. This smells like the classic comic book store. I know. <laughs> I love them so much. I remember the first time I moved to Burbank. Uh, it was where my comic book store was. I'm like, oh my god, this is like heaven right here, man. This is awesome. That's that's really cool. You had your your father come with you to, and and today your father comes with you to also look at comic books as well. Is, are there any particular comic books that he's into these days? No, he doesn't read anything. He just keeps up on them through me, you know. Um, but he knows the characters really well. I mean, he'll be like, I'll be talking about different things, and he's like, oh, Hawkman's from Sengar, you know, Adam's Ray Palmer, he knows all these kind of like, you know, minute details. So he, he, he keeps up with them. He loves Star Wars and all the, you know, he just loves the arts. So anything that is interesting, you know, he's, he'll go from, I mean, he's all over the place with with his diversity in art. He'll love show tunes and then be over there watching TCM and the Beatles and the Gershwin and then Star Wars, and so it's cool to have so much creativity bouncing around, you know. Right. You know, we 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 don't have a lot of time left. I I can literally be with you for another two hours, but I want to get get down to one more project before we take off, which is my morphin live. Now you're executive producing and producing this as well. Tell me about this project, please. Um, yeah, we basically well, it's with Jason David Frank. It's all about. Uh, his exciting life, and he's a like a cool thrill seeker. He's always um, he's skydiving, bungee jumping, going overseas, you know, flying, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. So basically, I got to know him through the White Ranger Scorpion episode because he is, of course, uh, the Green Ranger, White Ranger, Power Ranger right. in the TV show, most popular Ranger, of course. And uh, he wanted to. He basically had this concept that he wanted to do about his life, and um, I thought it was cool. You know, I think a lot of reality shows out there are. Um, boring or just don't really have a lot to them and Jason wanted he does crazy stuff I mean I, he really does this stuff he really is an MMA fighter he really is you know a base jumper so he thought it'd be cool if basically every time he did something cool he had a little episode about him so uh, and I thought it was cool too so we did it put on our channel it's done really well it has um, over 2 million views and uh, wow. the, the, his fans are really loyal and they love it you know and he's all about being positive sending a good message so that's something that I definitely agree with, and it's done really well. You know, we we did we've done one two seasons, and I um we're gonna start shooting season three I think soon. So it's been wow. it's been fun. You, you know, people have told you that certain shows that are still on the air don't get two million views, right? I yeah I, get, I mean that's that's probably true. You know, <laughs> there are television shows that exist right now that make a million dollar an episode that don't get two million views. They get like 1.2 million views. That's an intense number of human beings looking at your stuff. I know. We're, does yeah, that ever, crazy. Right? Does, it, does, does, does that ever... Let me, let me ask you a question properly. For some people, that might freak them out because success is something that freaks people out. And for some people, it drives them. It makes them hungrier, stronger, and want to work further. And for some people, it's just a neutral ground. This is just the progression of life. I worked very hard. I've earned this. Where do you lie on this? I guess I kind of lie on the ladder. I mean, I definitely like excess. I mean, you know, you want you want the success, and you want you want to have that drive. I mean, you always want to have that Tom Brady drive, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So he's always out there, and 
and yelling about his players to to get you know they want he you know he wants to win he wants to do this but in the in the press conference he's really nice and um and he's very right. well composed and I think that's how that's an important work ethic that he should have because um, right. you know I mean like in a way though I'm kind of removed from all the excess because they're all like numbers that you see online and it's just numbers I mean you don't really get a to see it up front you know and you always have you know you have your other priorities that keep you going family and stuff like that so. Um, sure can't let it go to your head and there's always going to be someone more successful I and mean, there's always going to be a Paul McCartney or Arnold Schwarzenegger out there who is right. you know, accomplished 10 times more than a hundred people ever will. So, um, you know, just work hard and, and what's the saying? They say to always be happy, but never content, I guess, you know, always, right. always strive for more. So that's what it is, you know, but surround yourself with good people, good energy and keep that snowball rolling. That's awesome. Now, <clears throat> I'm a young man. I'm in Fountain Valley, California. I look at your shoe power beat down. I look at Bat and Sun. I look at all the things you're doing. And I want to be a part of that. I'm, I'm though. I'm I'm a kid though. I'm like 12. What what should mm-hmm. I do? What should I do in order to make my life look similar to yours, but not like yours? What should I strive for? What should I? What should I go to school? Should I should I read comic books? Should I go to college? What should I do? Gosh, it's so different. I get that question all the time, and I try to I try to quickly get a gauge for the person to see if they need it. I mean, sometimes film school is the right answer. Sometimes it's not the right answer. It just It just depends who you are. I mean, John Lennon said he lost his art at art school, you know, but, of course, that's a man born with tons of talent. He just needs to be pointed in the right direction. So it just depends, you know, who you are as a person. But, I mean, explore, you know, always, you know, don't say no to anything. Obviously say no to some things like a rickety old, Van with a guy giving out candy, but you know, start, you know, you know, skip that one. Creatively, and 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 there's a lot of those in Hollywood, to be quite honest. But you know, you want to you want to say yes to a lot of things. I mean, the more lures you have in the water, the more chance you have of catching fish. You know, so work hard, work smart, and uh, you know, like I said, failure is the key to success. You know, so learn from your mistakes, be honest with your stuff, let your let your ego go, and get out there. Right. You know, it's interesting. I had somebody say to me recently about suffering and how they didn't understand suffering and they didn't believe in that junk. Uh, I do, of course, you know. But when you when you talk about failure and learning from failure, I think that's an incredibly important subject. What do you mean by it's important how you perceive failure? Well, you don't want, I mean, you definitely don't want to victimize yourself or feel bad for yourself, which is hugely popular nowadays, because really, I don't think we have too many struggles, especially compared to 100 years ago, you know, and, and people have thin skin, and, and and it's not that kind of stuff. You don't want to, like, get, you don't want to depress yourself, but you want to, like, when I was younger, and I'd make Dark Justice or Batman Beyond, younger films, and people would watch them, the first thing I would ask about them is, what don't you like about this? What is weird? What's wrong? What do you think's off? You know, I was never concerned on what they liked because I was like, well, that that we already have. What what's missing so we can, you know, build this infrastructure a lot better. You know. Sure. So. That's that, interesting. That's what I'm talking so about. That, you know, but you gotta be you gotta be real yourself because I've dealt with a lot of younger filmmakers whose ego is off the chart. Who thinks everything they do is great, and and that's not realistic and I guess if you're not going to look at your art realistically then you're not looking at your career realistically and that means you're not going to realistically accomplish anything you know right I, I think everybody so. listening is worth uh, on at least one set with with a, with a 
was a dummy who thought they were way bigger than they actually were. Which what's very interesting is that they usually get cut down pretty quick in, in the film industry because mm-hmm. people don't really want to put up with that junk much. Yeah. So it's it's important to, you know, remember that you are at the end of the day human. So yeah. you know, unless unless awesome. of course you're Arnold Schwarzenegger awesome. or Paul McCartney or Tom Brady. Then you're then you're a, an American hero. <laughs> Or a world hero. So then yeah, I love I love what uh, I love what that one comedian said about Arnold Schwarzenegger. He got, he's bad in a thousand. Comes from a foreign country, doesn't speak the language, makes billion dollar movies, becomes governor, marries a Kennedy. That's some pretty incredible stuff. Yeah, yeah that's what Bill, Bill Burr said. That yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, things that he's I, I love. I mean, you can't even fathom. No, it's hmm? it, you know it's funny. If you were bashing him for uh, for for having extramarital affair and what have you. And Bill Burr made that comment of like, if you were betting a thousand, you'd think so too. The, the, yeah. guy, the guy hadn't had a failure in so long. It's like, of course you think there's no way you're going to get caught or something like that. Of course, I think that's yeah, some, even, some of the problems. Is, I said, even with that, even when that all went down, he was still really nice about it. I mean, most Hollywood. Yeah. Just way better, like mudslinging. And he, he was very, you know, he was just, he was very, accommodating and admitted to it and was, you know, that was it. And and even that, he's still really a champ. I mean, even when he ran for governor, yeah. you know, people put down things. Arnold never puts anyone down. He always, you know, just says, if you think you can right. do a better job, do it. You know, so I think he, he, does, he has a healthy ego, and I think that's really important. You know, I agree with you. You know, the, the guy did admit to it. He didn't fight back. He, he wasn't malicious or vindictive towards anybody. He didn't say anything. It's it's kind of interesting how people just drop that, mostly because he acted like a gentleman about it, or at least gentleman towards yeah. the end about it. Yeah, interesting, yeah. You know? so I mean, you know, a lot of people mudsling and they drag this whole thing out in the media, and he didn't do that. He was very, very nice, you know, so. Uh, you know, people, when they have too much time on their hands, it's amazing things they do in order to get the attention they need. So, so yeah, tell me, people these people are, are coming up, these, right? <laughs> they, you know, it's funny. My friend told me the other day, he's like, you know when people are spreading rumors, it's not like, how great are they doing? Wow, they look fantastic. It's never that. It's like, wow, they look no. horrible. Or, look what they did. People, people love to tear great people down. I mean, look at the whole thing with, with Tom Brady and this Deflategate, which is such a joke. It's just... I call it crygate. It's just the other 31 teams getting all sad and jealous that, you know, they're getting beat every year by Tom Brady and the Patriots. It's just they love to tear great people down, you know. I mean, and, the, you know, or people look at Paul McCartney and they're like, ah, you know, he's, you know, he was just a minor part or whatever. I was like, he's the greatest. What? I was like, I don't know why we have to tear. And I'm like, who, who, why are don't, we tearing these people down? Don't, you know, don't make like, me smack you. This is Paul McCartney. Come on. I know. I was like, "Where well, this is a living legend?" He's like one of like five living legends on the planet. I was like, "Just, just shut, shut your uneducated mouth and go on your way." You know, we don't. But but that's what the internet internet gives people a voice. I mean, it does. it's just. Oh. I know you you wouldn't uh, have, you wouldn't have Oasis. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have so many bands, so much music if you didn't have Paul McCartney and the Beatles. And Paul McCartney was was quite an honorable human being. He did a lot of good for the world. Whereas. You oh, can't necessarily say that about right? you can't necessarily say that about every single Beatle. I mean, they're all great. I mean, legends. But you can't say yeah. that John Lennon necessarily did everything that Paul McCartney did because Paul McCartney lived longer. Right, uh, and you're both unfair. And, and, they're not yeah, they're, all, they're different. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, the Beatles as, as a cultural force, I think, is, is is something the world has never seen or something the world will never see again. You know, I mean, if you just look at the range as far as what they accomplished outside of their music, it's it's really 
unfathomable and still felt to this day. So, um, yes, just impressive. Insane. Yeah. So, are, are you, let me ask you this: What are you looking forward to in, in the near future? Let's let's look at a five-year plan right now. A five-year plan right now. What are you looking forward to for your for your career in five years from now? Um, just keep progressing to where I'm at. I mean, every year new opportunities have opened up, and it's been it's just been great. And hopefully, directing a, a big feature, you know. Awesome. We're looking forward to, to watching your new feature, watching your new episodes on Superpower Beatdown, uh, and the production company is is Bad in the Sun. Uh, tell us how mm-hmm. can we get in contact with you? If we want to look you up on, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. On Tumblr, how could we get in contact with you? How can we look at your stuff? I mean, the main way to look at the stuff is uh, youtube.com slash bat in the sun. That's where all the videos will be. And then you can keep up with all our cool social media on facebook.com slash bat in the sun. Um, or just go to bat in the sun.com and it's all right there. So Cool. And we'll have a link on there for Aaron Schnucky. And, and what is the next episode for, for uh, Superpower Beatdown? When is it? It'll be um, it'll be July. July, and that that'll be Harley Quinn. Yes. So who's in that episode? Who who, who are the characters in that episode, and who are the actors in that episode that we're looking forward to seeing? Um, we have uh, Deadpool and Domino, and then of course Joker and Harley. Um, I portray the Joker. We have Amy Johnston uh, portraying uh, Harley Quinn. Uh, Tatiana Dekar as Domino, and then Dirk Ellis as Deadpool. So you're gonna have Harley Quinn and, and Joker play De- uh, fight Domino and, and Deadpool. Yeah, yeah, that's what's going on. Okay, yeah, Domino and Deadpool are dead. <laughs> <laughs> Those two are psychopaths. Yeah, that, that is a fight psycho. That is a that is a frightening combination right there because you you got uh, Deadpool and Deadpool doesn't care about anything. That is that is that is a that is a frightening episode. So you're gonna play the Joker. Who's playing Deadpool? Uh, Dirk Ellis, and he does a does a great job physically, comedically. Really, really, he surprised even me as far as how he's able to handle that duality because Deadpool is pretty multifaceted. He is. He, he's, he's in, he breaks that fourth wall. He, he goes a little nuts. And I did like the outfit that I've seen as well because it looks a lot like the outfit from the movie that's coming out very soon. Yeah, it's the same outfit that we used um, a year or two years ago on uh, Batman uh, vs. Deadpool. So, and the fans really liked it. So, Nice. nice. Aaron Stocky, thank you so much for joining us today. We, we greatly appreciate it. We've been wanting you on, the, on this episode for a very, very long time. Cool, great. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a blast. Thank you very much, sir. We're going to check out all your stuff on Bad in the Sun, Superpower Beatdown. We're going to check out My Morphin Life, all those things. We're going to put links on there on, on, on the website as well. Aristocki, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you have a great weekend, and, and God bless, bud. Thanks, you too, yeah. Thank you very much. All right, Aaron. We had Aaron Snucky on the line today. Thank you very much. What a great guy. What a great guy. You know, that's some great information right there, boys and girls, as we close down the show. Just think about how great of a guy Aaron Schnock is. Just listen to his voice. Listen to his compassion. Listen to the way he's describing the characters that he plays, that he portrays, that he, that he directs, that he acts, that he's with. 
He has compassion behind them. He has an understanding behind them. A certain amount of empathy and sympathy, which is what you need, which is amazing for such a young person. He's a very young man. For being such a young director, he has such a great composition from what he wants from his projects. It's amazing to speak to somebody like Aaron Schnacki. You heard a lot of his inspirational talks of what you should do. To break it down, don't burn any bridges. Keep on pushing forward. Don't listen to the naysayers. And remember, be a good person on set. You heard him. He he gets million hits, 25 million hits on some of his videos. I mean, he's not a loner in this world of, of creating cinema these days. He's an up-and-comer and a, and a blow-up guy. He's going to blow up. But notice how nice he is. How compassionate he is. How much he understands the material. How much he cares about the people he works with. And how much he cares about the future of the projects that he's working on. That's incredibly important. That's the reason why I wanted this radio show. Is to share with all of you how these people become successful without becoming, I don't know, jerks. Without destroying their lives. Without destroying themselves. That's why I want Aaron Schnacki out here. Because the guy is successful and is happy. He makes friends and keeps them. Doesn't burn bridges. Creates an audience and doesn't destroy them. This is the positive world, the positive Hollywood, the positive production that we all want and desire. So go check out Aaron Schnacki. Check out his stuff. It goes back really far from Dark Justice, The Patient J, Joker, Batman Legends, The Face of Pagordi, City of Scars, I screwed up the name, Seeds of Arkham, Mortal Kombat, Superpower Beatdown. No, we've got Superpower Beatdown going forever. Yeah. Go check them out today. My Morphin Life. I really enjoyed My Morphin Life. I didn't think, I'll be honest, I didn't think I was. I, I did enjoy it a great deal. All right, so we have Aaron Snocky on today. Thank you very much, Aaron, for being on today. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. Boys and girls, it's been a great day. I very, very much enjoyed this episode. Stay tuned for more episodes, please. Oh, Sean Pacino is writing me on how to properly pronounce Aaron Aaron Schnucky's last name. Shurinka? Am I right, Sean? Shurinka? All right, boys and girls. Thank you very much for joining us today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pronounce it the way that uh, Sean's asking me to pronounce it. Okay, okay. Aaron, sure. Shrinka. You know, Sean, I, I probably should have called him and asked him how to pronounce his last name first. That probably would have been wise. <laughs> I'll remember that for next time. Listen, everybody, this has been a great show. Thank you, Aaron, for being on today. Thank you, Sean, for helping me out for, with the episode here. Uh, God bless you all. You know, go out, go out today and watch a movie. Don't mess around. Go watch a new Pixar movie. Go watch Mad Max. Go enjoy yourself today. It's a fantastic, beautiful Sunday afternoon. God bless you all. Oh, and by the way, we have a six feet down under. 
the series on YouTube coming out in July. Directed by Sean Piccinino. First episode. With Guy Grundy and several other people. Check out Six Feet Down Under on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. It's Six Feet Down Under, not Six Feet Under. Six Feet Down Under. Check it out. Coming out in July. And we have also some really cool news coming out very, very soon. Very, very cool news. Stay tuned. And Sean, thank you for being you. I appreciate it, bud. God bless you all. Have a great Sunday.